And so last week we started this series titled A God Seeker. And, and, and I've been blessed. I mean, I was blessed by the message. I don't know about you, but I was blessed. I went back listening to part of the message. And we saw from the prayer of David how God wants us to develop an effective personal relationship with him. Where we can be intimate with God. Where it is not a matter of running through the motions and, and having a religious ritual of every Sunday coming to church or, or Wednesday coming to church or, or just, I mean, reading your Bible for the, for, for the sake of reading it. But God wants us to have an intimate relationship with Him. As a matter of fact, when you study through the whole of the Bible, God's desire is that we'll be very close with Him. Right from Genesis chapter 3, where the Bible says he walked in the garden in the cool of the day to have fellowship with Adam and Eve. God has always wanted intimacy with his children, closeness with his children. And last week, some of the conclusions that we drew about a God seeker are as follows. We learned that a God seeker values a consistent personal relationship with God. We also learned that a God seeker diligently and seriously goes after God on a daily basis. It is not a one-time thing. It is not fasting for 21 days and sleeping for 60 days. A God seeker is one who wants to be with God on a daily basis. We also learned that a God seeker totally depends on God in every given situation. The God seeker knows that my strength is not enough to take me through life. My skill is not enough to see me through life. My qualifications are not enough to see me through life. And that I must depend on God in every single situation. A God seeker has expectations of seeing God's power and glory. And we learned that that one of the things that a God seeker does is that I want to see the power of God. I want to see the glory of God in my life. I want to see the might of God. I want to see God at work in my life. And finally, we concluded that a God seeker values meeting in God's house with God's people. And that a God seeker is not just excited about his or her personal relationship with God. He's, ex- he's excited about meeting with God's people in God's house. And that is why David says, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So it's not enough to have a good prayer life. It's not enough to have a good word steady life. It's not enough to be alone with God. God also desires that we come together as his children and have a meeting with him. And so today we are going to look at the second stanza of the psalm. But I'll write, I want to read through the whole psalm. And then we'll focus on verse 3 to 5. So Psalm 63, verse 1 to 8. Psalm 63. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. 
my soul follows close behind you your right hand upholds me hallelujah and so today I want to focus on the verse 3 to 5. He says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as of marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Amen. Now, David, after letting us know in verse 1 and verse 2 that he is thirsting for God, that he desires God, that his flesh longs for God, that early will he seek him. And I love that, that statement, early will he seek him. David now goes on to reveal something about the God-seeker's life. He tells us the value system of a God-seeker. He says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. And so what David is trying to tell us is that the God-seeker is also a God-praiser. That the God-seeker values the things that God does in his or her life, and as a result, releases praise to God. But look at what David says. He says that your loving kindness is better than life. In other words, David is giving us a certain mindset with which he comes to God. He says that life is good. But God's love, loving kindness is better. He says, what well, life is what? Good. But God's loving kindness is better. How many of you know life is good? LG. Life is good. Oh, life is good. If life wasn't good, and we said today, there was a lion running in this place, about to chew all of us. You realize those who can jump to hold the fan, will jump to hold the fan. If life wasn't good, people would not be screaming Jesus in a car accident situation and hoping that they would escape. I mean, and it would amaze you that some of the same people in the car were like, I'm tired of life, I'm tired. but death is kind of like, no, 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 I don't want death. Because some way, somehow, we feel that even if I am going through the worst of things in life, life is still good. I still have family, I still have friends, I still have something in my life. But David is saying that life is not just good. There is something that is better than living. There is something that is better than life. It says what? Your loving kindness is better than life. Now the word loving kindness as David employs is a very interesting word. In the Hebrew it actually means steadfast love. Now this word is used in a covenant situation or it's a covenantal term. That means that I have a covenant with you. There is an agreement between you and I. And the agreement is such that my love towards you is not supposed to fail. And so there are three key words that come into this word loving kindness. The, the, the three words are strength, steadfastness, and love. What it's saying is that when we talk about loving kindness, is the idea that the love from one person to the other person in a covenant is unfailing regardless of what happens in the relationship or in the covenant. In other words, the love is not based on how good or how bad you are. The love is not based on whether or not you go by your terms of the covenant. The love is strong and unfailing because the one from whom the love is being released has enough strength to stand by you till the end of the covenant. And so when David talks about the loving kindness of God, he's talking about the love of God towards us that endures, that is unfailing, 
So much so that God's love is not conditioned on how good or how bad you are. How many of you have realized that if, you, if God was loving you according to how you love him, you would have missed out? Because even, let's just use church, church alone. If God was going to determine how he extends his love towards you based on how you come to church, some of you would have missed God's love. <laughs> if God was going to extend his love towards you based on how often you pray, oh, some of you would have been high and dry. But God's love towards us is steadfast, it is enduring, it does not shake, it does not move, it is not conditional, it is not based on what you do or what you do not do. God's love is constant and it is towards every one of us, regardless of who we are or what we have done. That is not to say that God wants you to do something wrong or God wants you to sin against him. No, no, no. That's, that's far from it. But the truth is that the loving kindness of God is God's way of saying that regardless of what happens, because of my covenant with you, my love is completely loyal to you. As a matter of fact, this is the kind of love God wants us to ex- express in marriage. Where no matter what your spouse does to you, your love is constant. It doesn't change. I've had, I've recently, I mean, I've, we, I was just telling someone recently, we've been dealing with quite a number of divorce cases, not in this church, um, different, different places. That's what pastors we go through. And, 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 and one of the interesting statements, my, my love is gone. I, I don't have any love again. Pastor, there, there's nothing there. Oh, I, I said, are you sure? Are, are you sure you don't love? No, no, Pastor, I said, I don't. The, the worst part is to hear, Pastor, I never loved him. Oh, Pastor, I never loved it. Hey! But if we're supposed to play back their lives just before they got married, I can imagine they're on this date, they're on that date, they're here. Like, my love for you will never feel. I love you with all my heart. In fact, when you throw me into the ocean and you lift me up, my love will even increase for you. And, and then they go through a little something in marriage, and all of a sudden, there's no love. It's finished. Oh, oh, I never loved him. And, and that is human love. Human love is weak. Human love is not strong. Human love is subject to change. Because when conditions change, it is very easy for us to also change the way we express our love towards people. I mean, and, and, and I can imagine a wife who is very angry with the husband and like, like you are telling her, tell your husband I love you. He said, you don't know what you are talking about. That is the kind of love that we have. It's shaky. But David says that the kind of love that God expresses to us is not shaky. Oh, I, I thought someone would be happy about it. That the love that God expresses towards you what, is not shaky. And that is why in Romans chapter 8, Paul says that I am convinced, I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things in this earth, nor things out of this earth can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely nothing can separate you and I from the love of God. That is a loving kindness. So then he says that life is good, but the loving kindness of God is better. Because if God's love is constantly with me, then it means that no matter the phase of life I go through, no matter the season of life I go through, I can be assured of one thing, that if everyone leaves me at all, God will always be right there with me. 
So Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 actually expounds this. It says, and, and this 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 uh, the word of the Lord when, when, when God was speaking to Moses, to the children of Israel, and to Joshua who was going to take over. He says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. How many of you are glad about that? He will not leave you nor what? Forsake you. And you've got, some, some of you are, 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 are being so battered by life, you can't even believe that God says he will not leave you nor forsake you. He says, he will not leave you nor what? Forsake you. And th- this is where the strength of God's love is. It's in this statement that he will not leave you nor forsake you. It is in the covenant that he says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. And that is why God's love is enduring. That's why God's love does not change. That's why God's love does not go down. How many of you have seen when it is raining that your neighbor who does not go to church and you who go to church, when it is raining, the rain falls on your roof and then it doesn't fall on your neighbor's roof, then it falls on the next neighbor's roof because the other person is born again and it doesn't fall. Have you realized that the rain falls for all of us? No, no, no. How many of you have realized the rain does not discriminate? It falls for all of us in the same area. In the same zone. Because the truth is that when God has a covenant with the people, it is not the things that they do or the things that they find themselves in that nullifies the covenant. And later we will talk about when you also do your part or you don't do your part of the covenant. But now I want to focus on the fact that God's love is constant, is released. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's right there with us, regardless of where we find ourselves in. His love is there with us in the good, in the bad, and the ugly. In fact, let me make this statement. It is a love that is not based on our deeds, but based on his character. God's love is not based on our deeds, but is based on what? His character. It is based on who he is. He is based on the fact that he is a faithful God. It is based on the fact that he is a right, righteous God. It is based on the fact that he is a loyal God. It is based on the fact that he is true to his word and true to himself. Now, this verse in Deuteronomy shows us that God is with us in a way that we are not to be afraid of the enemy. So David was saying that because your loving kindness is better than life, and what David was saying is that, you see, when I experience the loving kindness of God, what it means is that God is with me. He doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. And so I can go with what Deuteronomy says, that I can be strong and of good courage. I can be at a place where I will not be afraid. For the Lord my God, he is the one who goes with me. And that is why when David was in the wilderness and Absalom and his people were planning to eliminate him and destroy his life, David said, at this moment in my life, the confidence and the assurance that I have is that the loving kindness of God is with me. And because the loving kindness of God is with me, God is right there with me, and the enemy cannot gain control over my life. I'm here to declare to you that because God's loving kindness is with you, there's nothing the enemy can do against your life. Some of you are too afraid of the enemy. I'm here to tell you, God says he's there. No, he hasn't left you. He says, I won't leave you. You can't believe it. Some of you can't believe it. God says, I will not leave you, nor forsake you. And he says, you shouldn't be afraid of the enemy. And this is the confidence that David had. David had this confidence.
confidence and said that, look, because God is with me, this is my assurance that that what it is not just the way I'm living, it's not just the life that I'm living, it's the fact that I know God is with me. So look at what the writer in Hebrews says when he's quoting this same verse. He says in Hebrews 13 verse 5 to 6, he says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Then look at what he continues to say. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Wow, he's saying that if the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, then I can boldly say that what? The Lord is my helper. I will not what? Fear what can man do to me. I'm here to tell you that, look, in this moment and in this season of your life, your boldness and your confidence is in the fact that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is your helper. Oh, you didn't hear that. The Lord is your helper. God is with you. And there's nothing that any man can do to you. There's nothing that any demon can do to you. And that is why we know that his loving kindness is better than life. Can you take some few seconds and praise God that his loving kindness is better than life? Can you take some few seconds and thank God that he's there with you? That he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That I am right there with you. Right there with you. And that's why he says, his word says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And any tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall condemn. He says, a thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand and they shall not come anywhere near you. He says you will dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He says the arrow will fly by day and by night, but it shall not affect you. It shall not harm you because the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why don't you give God some praise on this place? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So David was in a wilderness. He felt forsaken. He felt like, I mean, he had been abandoned and left alone. But he says, my, the loving kindness of God is better than life. He says that in this moment, I know, and this is my confidence, that God is with me. I want you to know that no matter the seasons of life you go through, God is with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Life might be crashing in on you, but God is with you. Oh, yeah, you might be going through a very long season of sorrow and pain, but God is with you. He hasn't left you. He will never leave you. This is as assurance and his word for you. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I want you to know that God is with you. He says, I will never leave you. And when he says never, never means never. The relationship God has with you, he says, well, I will never leave you. And so what David is saying is that, look, I have value for life. It is a good thing to be alive. But, but, but being alive without the assurance that God will always be with me, it takes the flavor out of life. I remember this morning, I was getting ready to come and then I was, I was cleaning the car and now, now I was with now and, and then I put it at the front because I, I wanted to quickly hurry up so we get to church early. And, and you know what? She was, I, I moved to the back to clean it, and, and she was looking around. Well, Why are you? And, and you know what? I started telling her, I've not gone anywhere. I'm here. 
I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. You know what? This is what happens. Because she's sitting at the front and she's having a front view, her mind is that I have left her. But, but I hadn't left her. I was still right there and right behind her. You know what we do? Sometimes we are looking in a direction and thinking that God is not with us. But God is actually with us. Sometimes he's working at the right and we are looking at the left and thinking he's not working. But he's always been there. He has never left you. He will never leave you. He will always be there. That's where our assurance is. And, and when you are going through a very lonely moment, remember, he's saying, right in your ears, I haven't gone. I am still here. Amen. I'm still with you. Amen. And so David says that having God on your side is better than living without God on your side. Having God on your side is what? Better than living without God on your side. So I like something that is written in Psalm 36, verse 7 to 12. He says that, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the workers of iniquity have fallen. They have been cast down and are not able to rise. So David is talking about the righteousness of God and talking about the loving kindness of God. He says the loving kindness of God, this is what it does. It gives us this assurance. It is with us. I mean, in, in, in the loving kindness of God, we see that we don't even have to fight against the enemy. God himself stands and fights on our behalf. Amen. And that is where assurance is. But look at the next thing that David says. He says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Wow. He said, because you are always with me, and your love hasn't failed, and your love will never fail, and your love is not conditioned on, on the state in which I find myself, what? I want, I will praise you, or my lips will praise you. So David does not take the mercies of God for granted. He doesn't take the grace of God for granted. Amen. He understands how God is at work in his life. And God is constantly working in his life. He knows that the love of God is steadfast towards him. He acknowledges the love of God. And he bases his praise on it. In fact, this is what we say. The God seeker never loses his praise. Oh, the God seeker what? Never loses his praise. Look at the place in which David was praising God. In the wilderness. When his son was taking over the country. And David says that my lips shall what? Continually praise you. Beloved, I want you to know that look. Your lips must be full of praise unto God. Regardless of the season of life. You know, because God's love does not change regardless of the season you find yourself in. Your praise must not change regardless of the season you find yourself in. Someone did not get that. Some of you lose your praise easily when you are in a very difficult moment. You lose your praise. But your praise must not be lost. You must remember that God's love is always with you. And because of that, you will praise him. Now, now the word praise that David uses is the word Shabbat in the Hebrew, which means to address in a loud tone. It means that I am actually calling out your title and your name, but I'm not doing it quietly. I am doing it so everyone knows that I have a God. Oh, when now begins to say Dada, 
She starts, dada, dada. And then when she realizes that people are, she wants to show up that look, I have a dada. Dada! She begins to scream it, dada! Because what? She, she's proud that her father is right there. And then he says, that, look, I am going to let the world know that my father is alive. I'm going to let the world know that my God is still with me. That even in this situation where people can look at me and laugh at me and say that where is your God? I want them to know that even though they can't see my God at work, I know my God is at work. So my lips will offer praise unto him. I'll be the loudest even in my difficult moment. I will shout my praise unto God even in the hardest time. When I come to church, I might, I might have cried before entering the church. But when I get into the auditorium, I'll lift my voice and I'll praise God. And people will think that I am mad. But it's only because I'm declaring loudly the goodness of God in my life. Amen. Make his praise glorious. Amen. Be loud about it. Be loud about it. Be loud about it. Amen. Praise God like you don't have any problem. Praise God like you're not going through any situation. Praise God like nothing bad is happening in your life. Then he says, this is my posture in life. My lips shall praise you. Amen. Yeah. I'll be the noisy neighbor. Oh, I'll be singing my song. In the bathroom, and people will be wondering why this girl doesn't she ever have problems? No, no, no. It's because your posture is that look, regardless of the season of life I go through, the God seeker does not lose his or her praise. Amen. He says, I'll praise God. I'll let people know. I will not be silent. It is a disposition to let people know that God is with and for us. Because Romans chapter 8, 31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? And that's why my lips will offer praise unto God. As God seekers, we have to always keep the things that God is doing in our lives in view and offer praise unto Him. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God for it. And I keep on saying that sometimes we lose sight of the things that God does in our life. Just two weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a friend and, and he was telling me about how one of their people went for a surgery to deliver and then after she delivered, she had to go for three more surgeries because the first surgery did not go well, the second surgery did not go well, the third surgery did not go well. Can you imagine going for four surgeries because of one baby? Then I realized that when you go to the theater and you come back and you don't go for another surgery, it is, it is a cause to praise God. Oh yeah, yeah, it is a cause to praise God. When you go to the theater and you deliver and you come back with your child, and it is not, it is not, don't take it for granted. We did so many things. For, we think it is going. Oh, I just went to the hospital. I gave a guy. No, 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 no. Some, some went and they didn't come back. Some went and their children did not come back. So whatever it is that is happening, you, you sit in a vehicle every single day, you go to work and come back, you drive and go and come back, and you think it is normal. It is normal. No, no, no. It's the only reason why it is normal is because he keeps you in your going out and your coming in. But it is not normal in human affairs to just move. Someone just steps out of his house and gets onto the road and then... The other day I was reading a news item, the guys were eating. The other guy picked the motor to go and buy something. The one who was eating was waiting for his friend. The only thing he received was that your friend has been knocked down and he's dead. He was narrating the story. We were just eating. He stepped out to the motor and a car knocked him. I am not saying that when a car knocks that person, God is not with him, but I'm saying that you are alive. You can count on the grace and 
and the mercy of God because you know that you face near near death situations, near accident situations, and God delivered you. Amen. Yeah, God delivered you. So don't take for granted, Gloria. Every day when you go to work and come back, you should be full of praise. God, I thank you that I am back. Yeah, I thank you that I am back. When you come back and you meet your children safe, say, Lord, I thank you that my children are safe. Yeah. My lips will praise you. My lips will. When you come back and you can have a meal to eat, say, Lord, I thank you for my daily provisions. Amen. My lips will praise you. Amen. My lips will praise you. When you can go and do your hair and you can spend 500 CDs on the way <laughs> and you come back, Tell God, God, I thank you that I have more than enough to even spare 500 cities on my head. Because for someone, that 500 cities is about two months' salary. My lips will preach. My lips will preach. Amen. Amen. My lips will preach. My lips will praise you. Like my mouth should be praising God. My lips will praise you. My lips will praise you. I thank God. I bless God. I appreciate God. I give God praise. I thank Him for the things He does in my life. I thank God and I don't take His mercies for granted. And I don't take His grace for granted. So He says, My lips shall praise you. Then look at what He continues to say. He says, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. So David is saying that, look, as long as I live, I will continue to bless God. I will continue to, to declare his goodness. I will continue to give him recognition. I will continue to show that he is God. Amen. What he says that what he said is that we must always bear in mind that without God, we are nothing. Yeah. Without God, we are absolutely nothing. Without God. Oh, yeah. You can, right now, I'm at a place where I'm so convinced about God, you can say anything you want to say. I say, without God, we are what? Nothing. You can say anything you want to say about the Bible and anything you want to say about God, but I have, I, I have a personal living testimony and I know that without God, we are what? Nothing. What he's saying is that we must always acknowledge the workings of God in our lives. That God is constantly at work. Yeah, he's always working. He's always working. He's always doing something on your behalf. Sometimes it might look like he's delaying, but he's working. He's getting things in place for you. Amen. And God, let, let me tell you something. God will not rush his timetable because you are desperate. <laughs> Can I repeat that? God will not rush his timetable because you are desperate. No, no, no. no. He's very cool, relaxed, and he's working. So David says, what? I will bless God. While I live, it, it means that we must duly recognize God in all of our endeavors. It means that we must draw the attention of people to what God can also do in their lives. You have to let people that know that, look, God is at work in my life, oh, and he's also working in your life. And when they tell you that, oh, but I have a car, you don't have a car, have a, tell them that, look, when you see an artist drawing, and the artist hasn't finished drawing, you don't judge the artist by when he has gotten to it's just a matter of time for you to see where the drawing would end and you can see that this painting is so beautiful. Tell the person, I am a work in progress. Oh. Tell the person what? I am what? A work in progress. And that the beautiful picture will be seen just someday. That God is working. 
And I love David's disposition. He says that I will lift up my hands in your name. He says, I'm not just blessing God, but I'm going to lift my hands in your name. And, and, and lifting of hands is very, very significant and symbolic in many ways. One of them is that when you lift your hands, is a sign of praise. That, Lord, I'm praising you. But when you lift your hands, it's also a sign of surrender. That, God, I give everything to you. That I yield everything to you. That I might not understand your ways now, but I still surrender everything to you. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But, but, and I don't understand it. And I, will, I might never understand it. But Lord, what? I yield everything to you. I yield everything to you. I know sometimes you have a lot of questions. In fact, recently I had a very interesting question in my mind. I said, the only conclusion I drew was that God is wise. That's all. I was reading the book of Revelations and I saw how easy it was for the angel to drag Satan into the lake of fire. Very, very easy in the book of Revelations. There wasn't a fight. He just dragged him and put him in the lake of fire. And I was like, God, so when Satan rebelled the first time, why didn't you just let the angel drag him into the lake of fire? But you know what? I read that passage in the light of the fullness of scripture. And I realized that God has a work. He has a working plan. And he does things in his own time. Sometimes you might not understand it. Sometimes it beats your imagination and you understand it. But you know, it is in the fulfillment of things that you begin to see the wisdom of God revealed. Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah. It is in the word fulfillment of things that you begin to see the wisdom of God revealed. So you might not understand, but you say, Lord, I surrender to you. Lifting your hands is an attitude of expectancy to receive from God. So David says, why I lift my hands to praise you? Why I lift my hand as a surrender to you? I also lift my hand because I know that when I'm praising you and I'm serving you and I'm yielding to you, you are a God who also releases, so I'm ready to receive from you. I don't know how many of you have gone before God and you, 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 every time you go before God, go with expectancy. Say, God, I'm ready. Amen. I'm ready. Today, I'm using now for, for a lot of examples, but I love now. She likes pegs. The pegs, the drying pegs. She loves them. But you know what now does? When you take one for her, then she point the next one. Then you take the, the next one for her. She point, her hands are full, and she's still pointing. I want more. Because what she has expectancy is saying, if there's more, why can't I receive more? And, and that's what God is saying. God says he has what? He has more for you. So what's your praising him and what's your blessing? Don't be satisfied with the little that you have because he's a God of more than enough. Amen. Amen. So then he says that I lift my hands to you. I praise you, but I also say the Lord, I expect more from you. Amen. Let's conclude. Let's conclude. The very final thing he says is that my soul shall be satisfied. He says my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Wow. David says that he knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that when he comes to God, his soul will be what? Satisfied. Remember last week we read, he says that my soul thirsts for you. Right? And he said, my flesh longs for you. But now he's saying that my soul shall be satisfied because he knows that when you long for God and you thirst for God, God will not leave you high and dry. Amen. God will satisfy you. The Hebrew word actually say means filled to satisfaction. In other words, it's not just being satisfied, but being full. Have you realized sometimes you can eat the food and we ask you, oh, I'm all right, I'm cool. But have you realized that sometimes you can eat and you, you are really full, like, I can't do anything to myself. 
That is the kind of thing that he says. He says that my soul will be satisfied. It will be what? Filled to satisfaction. It is absolute contentment that he gets only in God. He's so full that he doesn't need anything else in life to fill the vacuum. Too many people in today's era, today's social media era, in today's technological age, we are looking for too many things to fill the emptiness in our lives. We are looking for validation from social media to fill our lives. If people don't like a post, you know, you feel empty. If people don't like a picture, you feel empty. If people don't send you a message, you feel empty. If people don't call you, you feel empty. Everything, as long as something doesn't happen from some external source, you feel empty. And, and that's where we are. If you don't get famous, you feel empty. If, if your song doesn't get anywhere, you feel empty. If no one praises you, you feel empty. But David says, I don't need the validation of another human being. I don't need, I don't need something that can be shaken in this life to determine my satisfaction. Because when I come to God, He fills my life and He makes me feel, you know what? A lot of young ladies they are married because I want to come. You don't need another man to complete you. Can I repeat that? Yeah. You don't need another man to complete you. And that's why people go into the marriages and they have shattered expectations, disappointments, frustrations, because all in their mind, I need this guy to make me fulfilled. I need this guy to, to fulfill my expectations. You don't need a guy. When you are full with God and you get into the marriage, regardless of what happens in the marriage, you are already satisfied. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, you are already satisfied. The marriage is only a bonus and addition in your life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you from my own personal life. No, I love my wife so much. I couldn't have had a better wife. She is my wife. I love her. But the truth of the matter is that my satisfaction does not come from her. No, no, no. The day I make her my satisfaction, I'm in trouble. Because she herself, she needs satisfaction. Oh yeah. When her hormones are played out, she needs satisfaction. No, no, so if I count on someone whose satisfaction is also dependent on some other factor, how do I get the satisfaction in life? But when my satisfaction comes from the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the God who never changes, the God who is faithful and true, the God who is where he is and does not move to any place, when my satisfaction comes from me, I know that I will always be filled and refilled. Oh yeah, I know. So David says that I will be satisfied. But you know what? He says that my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. A very interesting analogy. And you know how God times everything. Usually I, I want to finish my message by Thursday. That's my, my target. It, it doesn't happen always. Sometimes by Saturday I have to finish it. I was thinking this week I would have finished my message on Thursday. I, I didn't finish on Thursday. So yesterday I was in the office working. But I come here earlier in the morning, so my wife brought me food. And I got into this part of the message. My soul shall be satisfied as with what? Marrow and fatness. And she had brought me food, rice and chicken stew. Those of you whose minds are going somewhere, please let me come here. Stop thinking about food. Let's, let's, let's be in the way. <laughs> so, so she brought me the rice and, 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 the, and the chicken stew. I told her I, I want to finish the message before I eat. But at the point, I said, oh, let me eat. And I had gotten to this part. So I started eating and I was still reading the passage. And then he said, My soul shall satisfy us with marrow and fatness. You know, Vicky always loves me. When we eat, I chew the meat and then I give the morning. It's like, ah, you don't know what you are missing. 
choices part figuratively it's not for the richest portion so David says that when I come to God he will not just satisfy my soul he will give me the best part that I need for my life God might not give you what you want but he will give you what you need oh you didn't get that God might not give you what you want but he will give you what what you need and what you need that is releasing into your life is the best and the choices portion that is releasing into your life David says, my soul will be satisfied. He'll give me the best portion. The fatness stands for abundance. It says that God is the God of more than enough. He will not just give you a little to sustain you. He will ensure that your life is full. You will get plenty. You will have abundance. You'll be full. That is why I have the confidence to declare into your life that you have much more than enough and you begin to spare to other people because you are coming into the presence of the God more than enough. Let me say I'll be satisfied with fatness. I'll receive abundance from God. Oh yeah. I'll receive abundance from God. I wish someone would just say amen. I'll receive abundance from God. I'll receive abundance from God. I'll receive abundance from God. My life will be satisfied. Yes. It will be satisfied. 
So David says that in God, he gets all that he needs. And so can we. In God, we can also get all that we need. David says in God, nothing else appeals to him. And so should it be with us. And when you are satisfied, nothing else appeals to you. Yes, just on Friday, was it Thursday? Thursday, I had a meeting at the headquarters, and after I finished, I today I'm talking about a lot of food. I show you people, I say, Pastor, it's kind of. <laughs> but but I, I ate some food, and it was so nice, and I was so full. Went to my sister in law's place afterwards, and, and my wife said, There's some juice and bread. I said, Oh, I'm full. I like juice. I like juice. I like bread. But I've eaten, and I was so full. The juice did not appeal to me. The bread did not appeal to me. And God just spoke to me and said, when you are filled with me, nothing else appeals to you. You can determine the level of your satisfaction in God when nothing else appeals to you. You'll be full and nothing else will appeal to you. David says he's content with whatever he has. And we must also get to that place where we can be content with whatever we have. He says that his life is full of delight. And that must also be our portion. Our lives must be full of what? Delight. And finally, he says, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Not just any lip, but what? Joyful lips. Because when I am full, it is joy. It is joy overflowing. So when I'm praising God, it's with joyful lips. It's with joyful lips. It's like, God, I thank you, God. I bless you. And God, God, I know I don't have everything, but I thank you. I know I'm at the place where you want me to be. And I'm so excited about where I am. And I'm excited about what you are doing in my life. I know we'll get there. And I praise you, Lord, with joyful lips. With joyful lips. Oh, yeah. With joyful lips. I met a pastor friend. And we're talking on Friday. And he said that, you know, he, he lost his job before COVID. You know, he left his job before COVID. And he hadn't got a job. Then when COVID struck, his wife lost her job. And he says, Pastor, I can tell you that both of us are home. Looking for, we've not got a job yet. But there's no single day that has passed by that we've gone home. This is God. This is God. If he watches over the sparrows, how much more you? If he dresses the ladies, how much more you? If he knows the number of hairs on your head, why do you think he's not concerned about the situation you are going through? And I like how another pastor put He says, even when you put a wig on your head, he knows the additional hair you have added to your head. Concerned about what you are going through. So David says, My lips will praise you. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Amen. Oh, yes. The God seeker is a God praiser because God is all that he needs. The God seeker is a God praiser because God satisfies every longing of his soul. The God seeker is a God praiser because God brings great joy to him even in the midst of adversities. So today I want to ask you a question. Can we get to that place in our lives, hmm? you and I, where our delight in God brings us so much joy and so much satisfaction that, like Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, 
the man speaks. That the only thing that comes out of your mouth is praise. That, that your heart is full of joy of what God is doing, that complaints do not come out of your mouth again. Even when you want to complain, nothing comes. Like, like, oh, I want to complain. No, there's no complaining coming. I want to complain, but all I can say is, oh, I thank God. All I can say is, I bless God. All I can say is, I praise God. All I can say is, God is good. All I can say is, God is merciful. All I can say is, God is... You see, you can judge the words that are proceeding out of your mouth by what is in your heart. So today, can you let your heart be full? Of the goodness of God, that your mouth will be full of joyful praise from God. That your mouth will praise God by your joyful lips. That from today your language will change. That when you step out, you won't say that the world is the world is high, the economy is bad, things are not going well. Pastor, this is not doing well. Uh, sister, this is not doing well. It's good. All that is coming out of your mouth. When they ask you how are things, say God is good. When they ask you, but you are saying always say. But what else do you want me to say? God is good. No, no, no. You're not saying God is good. Because you know what? There's all things who work together for good to those who love God. Amen. To those who are Amen. according to His purpose. My confidence is that it is all working together for good. My confidence is that it is all working together for my good. My confidence is that it is all working together for my good. My confidence is that it is all working together for my good. And that's why I can lift my voice and praise God. So why don't you lift up your voice this morning and give a praise God? Oh, give a praise God for His goodness in your life. Oh, the God seeker is a God praiser. He knows the loving kindness of God is better than life. He knows that the loving kindness of God is better than life. He knows the love of God is unfailing. He knows the grace of God is abundant. He knows the mercies of God have, have never gone short. He knows that the, the love of God is steadfast. The strength of God's love is so much that it is eternal. It is eternal. It is eternal. Lift up your voice and praise God. Lift up your voice and bless the Lord. Oh, Radha Shadaha. We bless your holy name, O oh God. We praise you, oh God. We praise you, oh God. We praise you, oh God. Our lips are full of joy. Our lips are full of thanksgiving. Our lips are full of blessing. Our lips are full of praises. It's unto the Lord God Almighty. We bless His holy name. Oh Lord, we lift you up on high. Why don't we thank God specifically? Begin to mention the things in your life. Thank God for your business. Thank God for the job you have. Thank God for the house you have. Thank God for the car you have. Thank God for the children you have.